Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Basement Talk podcast fantasy show. Ed Birdsall, no Jake Simone, no Adam Caster today. It is just going to be me. Of course, um, we are approaching Labor Day weekend. So with Labor Day weekend, of course, is the majority of drafts. So for everybody that is having a draft uh, Labor Day weekend, I know I have a few this upcoming weekend. The very best of luck to all of you. And of course, wanted to get the last of the pre-draft shows out there. And today, what I think we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing something a little bit uh, subjective, just a little bit of a draft cheat sheet sort of thing. One last show before we start really getting into the week one, analyzing week one sort of shows that we'll be getting into next week. What we'll be doing today is I'll be going through my want list and my don't want list. Now, what I'll be doing this off of is I'll just be doing this off of guys that I really do want to get my hands on in drafts. And what goes into it is where they're being taken, uh, how much I like them, their situations, basically the entire package is what I'll be going off of with these lists. So of course I have, you know, a quarterback, running back, receiver, and a tight end for each of the two criteria. And then of course I wrote down some honorable mentions because a few of them I actually was, was pretty upset to leave some certain guys out. So I just said, you know what, uh, what the hell, I'll, I'll mention them anyway. But of course, we'll have some more in-depth analysis on the guys that we do list, and then the honorable mentions I think we'll just, you know, rattle off. But before we get into, into, into that, if you are liking what you're hearing, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, that will be greatly, greatly appreciated. And before we get into the list, let's do something that normally we do during the season, and we're pretty close to it, so why not just, you know, start, up, start it up all over again? And going into some news and notes, some things that have happened within the last few days that uh, require some sort of attention. We'll start in Baltimore, the Ravens signing Kenyon Drake. Of course, now he is added to this backfield with Gus Edwards, with Mike Davis, with J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins, interestingly enough, I saw a video on Twitter, which I'm sure uh, some of you have seen, some of you haven't. But the uh, the video was J.K. Dobbins doing uh, doing drills, and there was a noticeable noticeable limp on J.K. Dobbins. And with that, not a result of that, but but there has been some speculation that J.K. Dobbins will not be ready for Week One versus the New York Jets, and maybe that is why Kenyon Drake was brought onto this roster. I don't know. Um, of course. They, they want to have as many running back options as they can. J.K. Dobbins, of course, coming off of that torn ACL. So uh, that is something to obviously monitor, especially if you do have interest in, in J.K. Dobbins in your drafts. J.K. Dobbins right now, my draft ranks, I have him as my RB19 in, in full point PPR. Um, but with that, you know, you ha- you have to take it. A little bit, a little bit with caution, I would say. Proceed with caution when investing in J.K. Dobbins because it, it is very clear that he is not uh, 100% uh, as of as of yet. Uh, speaking of running backs that are not 100%, let's go from Baltimore. Let's go to uh, the Rams. Uh, Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson, both were dealing with hamstring injuries. Both have returned to practice in full capacity this week, and it is looking like both Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson will be ready to go for week one opening night against the Buffalo Bills on Thursday. So a week from today, mind you. So uh, good news for anybody that owns Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson, such as myself, um, that you should be able to rely on Cam Akers uh, at least as a flex-level play in PPR going up against the Buffalo Bills in Los Angeles. Dallas, they have their tackle issues right now, and of course that affects Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Uh, They are bringing in Jason Peters for a visit. The future Hall of Famer, 40-year-old, of course, made his name with the Philadelphia Eagles, and it looks like that he is going to be signed by Dallas and will probably be playing left tackle uh, for Dallas with the injury to Tyron Smith, who looks like he is going to be out for a number of months. Um, and it will allow Tyler Smith, Connor McGovern to battle it out as the starting left guard for Dallas instead of having Tyler Smith playing left tackle, which really is not his position. You're kind of setting him up for failure if you do that. So good on Dallas for getting some insurance policy. And Jason Peters still has some game in him. Uh, so it should be it should be nice you know, to have just a, a veteran on that line that can uh, that can really help out when when need be. Of course, Tyron Smith will still be in the building. Zach Martin is still on the line, 
but it, it's it, it it's looking like the end is is near a little bit for Tyron Smith in terms of his overall reliability. He's been injured on and off in the last couple of seasons, and this is just now a really big blow, and I guess maybe a wake-up call that Dallas had to start drafting with an aim to replace Tyron Smith in the near, not-too-distant future. Uh, we all saw the news on Sunday with uh, in relation to Brian Robinson, who was shot in an apparent carjacking incident uh, in Washington. He was taken to the hospital. He was treated with non-life-threatening injuries. And as of Thursday morning, he was placed on the reserve non-football injury list, which holds him out until week four. Now, Ron Rivera and the Washington commanders are saying that there is a chance that he could play in week five. I mean, it'd be a miracle if, if if he did, because we were talking about, you know, a couple of days ago, we were saying, oh man, is it even possible that we see Brian Robinson this season at all? And now we're talking about him potentially being ready to go for week five. And he's a popu- very popular breakout pick for a lot of people, given the situation in Washington right now with Antonio Gibson and whether or not he's going to be the, the main ball toter for the Washington commander's uh, running back room. Uh, there was some some reports out there that Brian Robinson had actually won this job outright and was going was going to be the guy given the impressive preseason that he has had and now it's going to have to be on hold until at least week five so uh, all the best to uh, to Brian Robinson and in, in his recovery of course and I would say now if you're looking at Antonio Gibson as a couple week flyer you can get him in round eight round nine I think you've done you've done okay and then maybe you take a late stash on Brian Robinson because now in leagues that have IR spots, he is now eligible to be stashed in IR for the first four weeks. So that could be a, a little bit of a sneaky play if you were to wait until the, the double-digit rounds of your drafts to maybe take a chance on Brian Robinson, but don't overdraft him. That's the most important thing because that week five is, is not a guarantee at all. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are assigning Josh Gordon to their practice squad. This is something that, you know, we've seen Josh Gordon be successful before he has not had uh, much success as of late and of course wishing him all the best in uh, in him trying to overcome his demons um, off the field with substance abuse things like that but he gets an opportunity to to prove himself once again and he's going to a spot where Tennessee does need help with the wide receiver position it's unknown right now whether or not Robert Woods is going to be 100% ready to go for week one against the Giants. So Josh Gordon on the practice squad right now and probably with an aim that if Robert Woods is unable to go week one, we could see Josh Gordon elevated to the, the active roster and he could be lining up for the Tennessee Titans alongside Traylon Burks. So they spent a first round pick on Nick Westbrook, Kine, uh, et cetera, Derek Henry, Austin Hooper uh, as, as an option in the passing game for the Titans who desperately, desperately, desperately need uh, some pass catching help, and they need someone to stand out uh, as the go-to option for Ryan Tannehill now that AJ Brown is no longer in town. And of course, the big news of the day: Russell Wilson getting his paper, a two hundred and forty-five million dollar deal over five years, and includes a hundred and sixty-five million dollars guaranteed. A massive, massive payday for Russell Wilson who listen he had the ball was in his court you know the the Broncos gave up a lot to get him and he now gets that one big massive contract that'll take him to his age 38 season and good for him good for him he made he made his bag and now he's going to go to Denver and he's going to be expected to be the long-term answer at least for the next five years uh, for the Denver Broncos, who have struggled since Peyton Manning to find an answer at the at the quarterback position, and not for nothing, uh, maybe just a little schedule analysis with Russell Wilson. His schedule for those that maybe would be interested in in Russ is very very good. He's got the Seahawks in Week One, Houston Week Two, San Fran Week Three is is okay, but it's at home. Then the Raiders, Colts, Chargers, Jets, Jaguars going into his bye. That's very good. That's very, very, very good. So you have a guy that 
throughout the first half of your season is a no doubt locked in top 10 quarterback every single week based on that schedule. But then second half of the year, it does get a little bit, a little bit more difficult, has to go to Baltimore, then takes on Kansas City again, uh, then has to take on Arizona, then the Rams and go to Kansas City. The scoring, the scoring in those matchups, especially weeks 13 to 17, there is the potential for a lot of points to be scored in those matchups. So Russell Wilson is a guy that maybe you take a little bit of a flyer on. That could be a pretty good plan. I just don't know uh, what really would constitute a flyer now, given I do know that his ADP has gone up uh, by a significant amount. If we pull it up on NFC, if I can get the information up, we'll do it within the last week. Russell Wilson is being drafted as the QB8. So yeah, he's he's not a flyer anymore. He's basically going in the range of where you would expect, and like that group that we've been talking about all off season with Dak, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, uh, not even Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts for sure. He's going in that group. So he's firmly in it. I think that the drafting community has definitely gotten hold of Russell Wilson and the kind of schedule that he has. I, I like it a lot, and I think it's definitely it's definitely worth an interesting you know throw. But at QB eight, I don't know if I would be taking Russell Wilson over Dak or over Tom Brady, uh, both of whom uh, I have as my QB seven, QB eight, and Russell Wilson has my QB twelve at this moment in time. But I did take Russell Wilson in uh, the guillotine draft, so that was also with a name for week one. Just saying. Okay. So let's go to our list. We'll do the want list first. And we just mentioned him. So I'm going to mention him again. Tom Brady. Give me all of Tom Brady. And now people are going to sit back and they're going to be like, oh, here we go. Here we go. He's, this guy thinks he's thinks he's smart saying he wants Tom Brady. But the drafted community is down on Tom Brady. 45 years old. Did not really participate much in the preseason preparations for the Bucks. There is a bit of a worry about, you know, where he is at, not only physically, but where is his head at? Is, is his head really on football? Of course, he was out dealing with a personal issue with missed uh, practice for, I believe it was 11 days. Uh, he was not in and around the team. But you know what you're going to get with Tom Brady, and I don't understand why the fantasy community is not jumping all over all over Brady. This is a guy that you know is going to be a high 4,000-yard passer. I, would, I have it projected as he's a 4,900-yard passer. I have him projected for 38 touchdowns. He's just going to be rock, rock solid. And I don't know what more you're looking for Outside of that, I mean, really, the, the the debate between Brady, for me, like, we just talked about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson I've come around on, but I am no in no way, shape, or form taking Russell Wilson over Tom Brady in normal draft situations. There's just no way. No way, no chance in hell. Now, the debate for me is whether I would take Tom Brady or Dak Prescott. That is the debate that I've been having. I'm still on the Tom Brady train. For right now, but I've definitely gone back and forth on it. Like I said, I have Brady at seven, Dak Prescott at eight. I, I like both equally, but I think what really, what really puts it over the top for me is just the touchdowns that I expect Brady to have, and that's, that's, that's no slight on, on on Dak. I think Dak will be, Dak will absolutely outproduce what he's being projected to to do. I think his number right now uh, in Vegas is that he's over under thirty. Two and a half passing touchdowns, something like that, which is just silly. Please, for the love of God, if you're into the futures or anything like that, please take that over. That's free money. But with Brady, with Brady, you just know what you are going to get, and that it's as steady as they come. You're gonna. There is no way that you are going to be disappointed with Tom Brady. There's just no way. There is no way that is even going to be remotely possible. He has Mike Evans there. Chris Godwin is going to be expected back. Leonard Fournette is there. There are the options now in Tampa Bay. Russell Gage, Julio Jones brought it over the offseason as well. 
it'll be interesting interesting to see what happens with Gronk. I know that he is retired in air quotes. I I, I just really think at some point Gronk may come back for one more run. I, I still just have that in my head that it is possible, and if that happens, I mean Brady just becomes all the more appealing. So. I'm I'm loving Brady where he's going as the QB ten. Uh, yes, please at that price. Uh, yes, 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 yes. The running backs, Aaron Jones of the Green Bay Packers. There are two things that are uh, working against him a little bit. Number one, we don't know what the offense is really going to look like, uh, given the fact that Devontae Adams is no longer there. There are a lot of unproven options. At receiver, yeah, Alan Lazard is there, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, but Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, both there, both expected to be pretty significant factors in the offense, if we are being honest, in in Green Bay. But then the biggest factor overall that's going to be working against Aaron Jones is A.J. Dillon. What I think helps Aaron Jones in PPR is that there is the chance, and I've said this all offseason, I said it on a bold prediction show, I've doubled down, I've tripled down, I'm quadrupling down now at this point is that there is a chance that Aaron Jones leads this offense in targets there is that chance I'm not saying it's going to happen but there is the chance that it does because of how much he has been a target and receptions machine when Devontae Adams has not been in Green Bay without Devontae Adams in Green Bay Aaron Jones has averaged about four and a half catches, six targets, with around 50 yards or so a game, and about 23 fantasy points per game in full point PPR. This is a guy that's also finished as top five running back on multiple occasions, and he is the number one A running back for the Green Bay Packers in an offense that has Aaron Rodgers in it. What's there not to like? I, in round two, I'm 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 loving that price. I'm I'm really loving that price. And I think what I also want to do, and I, I, I this is brought to my attention actually by a listener, was that I should go and check other uh, ADP sites and see what they're doing. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go to Fantasy Football Calculator, and I am going to have a look at the ADP right now for Aaron Jones. So the Aaron Aaron Jones ADP right now is he is going at the 2-3. That's fine. I'm good with that. I'm I'm really really good with that. Sitting in the at the same spot as Saquon Barkley going in and around DeAndre Swift, but being taken over guys such as Dick Chubb, Javante Williams, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, James Conner. I'm good with that. I think it's a great spot for Aaron Jones. I think if you can get him in the middle of round two, I think you're doing yourself great. Like, I know I'm in a draft. I'm in a couple drafts this weekend, and there's one draft in particular that I am in next week where I have the five pick in a 10-man, and I want to get my hands on Derrick Henry at five and then Aaron Jones in the second round. And if I can do that, I'm going to be a very, very, very happy boy. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to swing it. We'll see. But Aaron Jones is someone that I am definitely, definitely, definitely uh, very interested in um, at his particular price. I think the two, three people will say, oh, yeah, that's expensive. I don't think that's expensive. I think it's actually very fair value for someone like Aaron Jones, who, like I said, there is the chance that he is that he leads the Packers in targets. The only issue is just going to be the touchdowns. Maybe that goes a little bit to A.J. Dillon, but the receiving numbers are what's going to put him over the top in, in, in full-point PPR for sure. The wide receivers now, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I am banking on that he is going to be the guy that separates himself as the number one receiver for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. And we've seen it in the past that Patrick Mahomes, if you're Patrick Mahomes' number one wide receiver, you're going to be great for fantasy. I mean, we saw it with Tyreek Hill. And Juju Smith-Schuster now has the opportunity to do just that. And let's not forget, Juju Smith-Schuster, in 2018 and 2020, even his rookie year in 2017, he was very, very good for for fantasy. 2018-2020 are, are really the years, though, for him. 2018, of course, was the year for Juju Smith-Schuster. 166 targets, 
111 catches, over 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. Then 2020, a really solid year still, uh, 831 yards on 97 receptions, 128 targets, and nine touchdowns. This is a guy that we've seen do this before, and he's still 25 years old. He's a child. He still has so much room to grow as a receiver, and you're taking all of these numbers. Yeah, health was a factor, absolutely. But you're taking all these numbers now, and you're applying them to the down years of Ben Roethlisberger, maybe with the exception of 2018. But 2019, 2020, 2021, the down years of Big Ben. Now you're putting him with Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, that's a, that's a juicy, juicy proposition. And I know that there are comp, there's big competition in in Kansas City. I understand that. Me, Cole Hardman, um, Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, Travis Kelsey. Those are ma- the main. Com- that's the main competition for targets in Kansas City for Juju. Kelsey, you know what he's going to do. He's going to get his for sure. But if you're telling me that the, if out of the wide receivers that are currently in Kansas City, the one guy that I would project project slash guess that is going to be the number one in this offense, it's Juju. It is Juju. I, I would put my money on that, and I would do it comfortably. Comfortably. Uh, Juju's ADP right now, if I can find it, on fantasy football calculators, going seven one right now. He's going um, after Darnell Mooney. I'd rather have Juju Hunter Renfro. I'd rather have Juju Amon Ross St. Brown. I would rather have Juju uh, guys that he is going before Rashad Bateman, Amari Cooper, Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Alan Lazard. I I would make the, a really good argument that Juju Smith Schuster right now in drafts is going maybe around maybe maybe around and a half later than he should. I would say around because then you, if you do the round and a half, he's, you're talking about him in the same category as Jerry Judy, Brandon Cooks, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson. I don't like him that much, but com- comparable to Gabe Davis, Adam Thielen, Hollywood, Darnell Mooney, absolutely, absolutely. He, he he's a guy that should be going to the top of the sixth round uh, in your drafts. I would take him at that spot pretty comfortably, especially if you need a wide receiver two option. Maybe you've been slamming running back for the first couple of rounds in the draft maybe you've taken a tight end somewhere in there maybe you've tried to go and get a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes and you're feeling a little light at running back at, at, at running back excuse me at wide receiver Juju could be your guy in the sixth round that you go and target as your wide receiver too and if you're playing in three wide receiver leagues you know how important it is especially in full point PPR to get yourself a consistent target hog and Juju could be that guy. He really could be that guy for your fantasy teams. I like it a whole lot. Uh, in the seventh round, it's even better. Uh, sixth round, I think, is where I would start thinking about it. Seventh round is is that's glorious. And then in my in my ranks, I have Juju. I have Juju Smith-Schuster as my wide receiver twenty-eight. So I, I'm I'm liking it. I'm buying into the hype that that there is with with Juju at the, at this moment in time. At tight end, we've talked we've talked about him just so much during this offseason, but again, I keep getting asked questions about it. Why Dalton Schultz? Why Dalton Schultz? Why Dalton Schultz? It's very simple. He gets 90 targets. He's going to be a factor. He's going to. And like I've said a thousand times during this offseason, if Dak Prescott's healthy, a tight end of his getting 90 targets. Who else is there? It's just Dalton Schultz. And factor in, Michael Gallup is not looking like he's going to be ready to go for week one. Jalen Tolbert's a rookie, so it is looking like it is going to be a mix of Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, CeeDee Lamb, and Dalton Schultz as your main offensive threats for Dallas to start the season. I'll take my chances with Dalton Schultz. Yeah, in the sixth round, sure, I'm good with that. In an offense that I am completely, completely comfortable with investing in for fantasy, yeah, in the sixth round, even better. Even better. Now, when you start talking about CeeDee Lamb with me in the middle in the middle of the second round, that one is a little bit, I'm, I'm a little bit eh on it. Like, I don't, I don't love it. I understand why he's going in the second round, but do I really, do I really like it? Hard to say, but Dalton Schultz in the sixth round, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of that, and he's basically the last of those 
I don't even know. I'd say the last of last of them. I would say he's probably more reliable at this stage than Kittle and Waller are. Kittle, of course, with a rookie quarterback who we don't know how consistent he's going to be in terms of throwing the ball. And Darren Waller has injury concerns already. So when putting those three together, I think Dalton Schultz might be the most reliable of 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 those. And I know I've seen a couple of takes from people across the industry that I saw one bold take that was. <laughs> bold with a capital B-O-L-D that Dalton Schultz will have more fantasy points this year than Travis Kelsey. I don't believe that, but would I love it if it did happen to vindicate myself? Yeah, I would like that. So why not? Uh, Some other options that I wrote down in the honorable mentions category, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Damian Pierce, Chris Olave, Cole Komet. We've talked about Cole Komet a million times. Chris Olave. I think he's in the best position out of all the rookie receivers to stand out in, in year one. I really do with Jameis, who I could have very easily put down for this want list as well. Um, I'm I'm in. I'm in on Olave. I'll, I'll buy into the hype. Uh, no problem there. Damian Pierce. Okay. Here's, here's the Damian Pierce discussion. I had a draft on Sunday. I took Damian Pierce in round seven. I didn't have a pick in round eight where I really wanted to take Damian Pierce. And I decided, you know what? I'll take him in round seven. I'll take him in round seven. I'll feel good about it. And I have my share of Pierce. Marlon Mack was cut this week by the Houston Texans. Thus leaving, Rex Burkhead is the only real source of competition on this roster. For Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce is your number one running back for the for the uh, Houston Texans. The issue that I have with Pierce, the, 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 the one thing that's causing me to just urge caution with Pierce, is you have to look in the offense that you are going to be investing in. What is the upside with this offense for total touchdowns? How many touchdowns do we think... This offense is going to score over the course of the season. I could tell you, because I have projected this number. So, we were looking at this number. I have Davis Bills projected for 20 passing touchdowns. In terms of the running backs, because I, ha- I had to give something... To Rex Burkhead, I can't. I I couldn't just be like, oh yeah, um, Damian Pierce is going to be the main guy by himself. I couldn't do it. I have Rex Burkhead down for three, so it's twenty three touchdowns right there. And then you start factoring in the number for Damian Pierce and where you think he's going to fall. Right now, I have Damian Pierce at seven, so I have thirty touchdowns. In this offense. Is that going to be enough. For people to want to say. You know what. I'm going to go take a round six pick. And take Damian Pierce. For me it wouldn't be. That's not That's not enough security. For me. For an offense too. That we also have to consider. Is probably going to be down in games. A significant amount. And then what happens with Damian Pierce. Is Damian Pierce as safe as we think he's not is he exciting yeah he, he is very exciting but is he safe no and where his price is right now at six nine nice i get nervous about that i really do because i just i can't wrap my head around you also have to look at the available touches that are going to be there for Damian Pierce. At most, you might be talking about a 15-20 touch back in round six. Which is fine. Which is fine. But that's not steady. That's not his floor. We don't know what his floor is. We haven't seen him play a down of competitive football on a professional field in a game that matters. We haven't seen it yet. So when we do see it, 
will have more of a sense as to what Damian Pierce's floor and his ceiling are going to be. But right now, we're just going off of a whim. We're seeing a rookie that is in a position where he's going to be the RB1 for a team that may or may not be good. I'm definitely leaning hard, won't be good, but that's neither here nor there. With very limited touchdown upside. That is limited touchdown upside in the sense of the team is not going to score a lot. So, and I'm a fan of Brandon Cooks. I'm also a fan of him. So I don't know how much I can ride Brandon Cooks to the same level that I could ride like Davion Pierce. I think you got to go one way or the other. And for me, I'm much more I'm much more buying into Cooks than I am into Pierce. Why I think Pierce is very exciting. I understand the hype, and I have a share of Damian Pierce. I wanted to have at least one share of Pierce, and I got it, and I'm happy that I did. I won't be taking him anywhere else. I no, yeah, not for me. Um, I think I'm good with just the one share that I have, and just kind of hoping that that one share is going to be good enough to be a golden ticket somewhere. Um, but anywhere else, because right now, after the release of Marlon Mack, his ADP is now through the roof. We we've we have reached that point where Damian Pierce is now just going into crazy land. And the ADP here that I'm using is within the last 24 hours of drafts that have been that have been done. There is a real chance that we get to this weekend and Damian Pierce we're talking about is a mid-round six pick. Are you comfortable with that? That's the real question that that I have. So yes, while I want Damian Pierce I'm just concerned about the price. So maybe, maybe Damian Pierce is more so on my don't want list more than he is on my want list. But I love the talent. I just don't love the price. So maybe I should have put him on the don't want list instead. But I'll, to substitute for the want list, I'll put Tony Pollard on the list. I, I, I do want my fair share of Tony Pollard. And I haven't managed to get him yet, which is very, very, very sad. And then, of course... Aaron Rodgers. I mean, back-to-back MVPs. He's he's as safe as they come. And anybody who wants to doubt Aaron Rodgers again, I would just say do it at your own peril. Quite honestly, I mean, you're just asking for it. You're asking to just be proven wrong by uh, by the by the bad man. The don't want list. Quarterback. You listen to this podcast the entire offseason, you know exactly who I'm about to say. If you're a first-time listener or a new listener, first of all, welcome. Second of all, it's Joe Burrow. Being drafted right now is the QB5. Why? Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, he's back to being drafted as the QB4. Why? W-H-Y-Y. -Y. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. Now, actually... I take that back. It does make sense. People want to go Google Gaga crazy over the Cincinnati Bengals in that offense. Everyone wants to have, have a piece of it. And I understand it. I understand it. It's a fun offense. There will be a lot of points scored in that offense. I get it. I, I, I truly, truly, truly get it. But do we expect Joe Burrow to play at the pace that he did last year? Do we expect Jamar Chase to be the same guy that he was last year? Do we expect... T. Higgins to be the same, Joe Mixon. It's very hard to project that the Bengals are going to do what they did last year, if not top it. It's very, very hard because that could be the ceilings of each of those guys for their careers. Like it, Just take Jamar and Chase, for example. Does anybody in their right mind really, and I, I mean wholeheartedly, believe Jamar and Chase is scoring 13 touchdowns again? If you do, let me know. If you do, let me know, because I would love to hear the argument for it. I just don't, I don't buy it. Burrow, for me, is just one of those guys that I am very, very comfortable letting someone else take high, so that way I can get my nice share of Tom Brady, my Aaron Rodgers, my Trey Lance. I, I, I'm very good with that. I'm very, very, very happy with that. I'm very comfortable. Now, is Burrow going to be a 35-plus touchdown quarterback again? Probably. Probably. But the yards at 4,600 yards, do I think that's going to that's gonna stick? No, I don't. I have him down as a 4,400-yard quarterback, which is fine. 
but it's not enough for me to really want to go and invest in that at the price of being a QB4 in fantasy. No, not for me. I will take a hard pass on Joe Burrow. He's my QB9. So there is a massive discrepancy between me and the consensus, uh, not the consensus, excuse me, and, and the general public on Joe Burrow. And the, well, let's just see where the consensus is on Burrow because maybe, maybe I am the low man on the totem pole. So the consensus has him as the QB7. Okay. All right. I mean, I still would be taking Brady and Dak over him personally. Um, but that's just me. That's just me. I would rather have Brady, Dak, and Jalen Hurts over Joe Burrow. The running backs, Javante Williams. And I'm a huge fan of the talent. I think everybody knows that by now. Jake and I um, absolutely just love to pray Javante Williams. The problem is the touchdown upside is going to be very limited. And for a guy that's you know you're taking in the second round, if not early third round right now in drafts, it's not really something that I want to go and invest in, especially with Melvin Gordon there. Now, of course, Jake and I were just praying to the fantasy gods that Javante Williams was going to be by himself. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Melvin Gordon is back there. And I think Melvin Gordon has tremendous touchdown upside in this offense. I think the volume play is going to, is going to be Javante Williams. I think he pretty much is going to be that guy in between the 20s. Then when you start getting into the red zone, you could see a little bit more Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon, you could you could realistically see Melvin Gordon being a 10 to 15 touch running back per game. And that's going to take a significant dent out of the overall floor and, and overall ceiling as well for someone like Javante Williams. And while I love the talent, like I said, I love the situation as well, I just get a little nervous when you start mixing Melvin Gordon into, into the mix. And it's going to take a very steady floor when it comes to the receptions for Javante Williams to make that up. And that's the difference between Javante Williams and Aaron Jones, who I love. Javante Williams, we're going to need to see that sort of production in the passing game for it to work. And Javante Williams, I have down for about 47 receptions. He's going to need to do that and more for me to be, you know, super, super, super big happy with Javante Williams. The problem is I have Javante Williams also down for six rushing touchdowns. You're taking that guy in round two. I don't love it. I don't love it. And I, like I said, I love the talent. I just don't love the situation that he now finds himself in with sharing a backfield again with Melvin Gordon. I do love the offense that he's in, but I don't love him sharing that uh, that uh, running back room with Melvin Gordon. The receivers, I cheated on this one. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle for the very simple reason of Tua Tunga Bailoa. I just want no. Nope. No part. No part. Yes. One of them, if not both, are going to be fine. But at the price that you are paying for both of them, it's simply not worth it. Tyreek is going at the 211, and Jalen Waddle is going at the 411. Give me Jalen Waddle at the 411 over Tyreek Hill at the 211 all day, every day. But even then, am I really going to be jumping for joy, celebrating, singing Kumbaya? over the fact that I have a Miami Dolphins receiver and my fantasy hopes and dreams are lying in the hands of Tua Tungavailoa, who we have seen nothing of to prove that he is a competent enough QB1 starting quarterback in this league. No, I don't love it. And you shouldn't either. You should be concerned about it. Now, are there going to be moments where we could say, yeah, Tua maybe has made some progress? Yeah, it's possible. It's definitely possible, but you're going to need a humongous leap from Tua where he can sustain the production of both receivers in this offense. And that, to me, I don't want to have to pick between the two of who is the one that Tua is feeling. I don't want to choose. I, I don't want to be put in that position. And... That's why I'm out. I'm out on, on, on both of them. I did take Jalen Waddle uh, in the in my guillotine league for the sole reason of that team is just going to turn over, hopefully, 
after I make it out of week one. If I don't make it out of week one, then this is going to sound really, really terrible, and this will age poorly. Um, but then I'm not going to have to rely on Waddle as much. I'll be able to go and get a receiver. So really, with the guillotine, I drafted for week one. I drafted for week, for week one. It's not the same as redraft, where you're drafting for the entire season. For the entire season, I want nothing to do with anybody on Miami. Nothing. Maybe Chase Edmonds, if the price is acceptable. Like, at Chase Edmonds ADP right now, if I could find it on FFC, 610, fine. Fine. I'm comfortable with that. I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that. But am I going to go in and go crazy over the receivers? No. No, 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 no. No. Sorry. And next up on the do not want list, we have TJ Hawkinson of the Detroit Lions. Now, with TJ Hawkinson, A, did not finish the year last year. So that is a major problem. Was on pace for a career year. Then the injury bug bit him. And he missed a significant chunk of time and ended up missing the remainder of the season. B, there's a lot of competition now for targets in Detroit. You have DeAndre Swift there. Jamal Williams is going to play a factor in this offense if you believe everything that they've been saying on hard knocks and what's been coming out of Lions camp is that they want Jamal Williams to be more of a factor so that way they can protect DeAndre Swift from the inevitable injury that seems to bite DeAndre Swift year in, year out at this stage. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, Jamison Williams should be back by the end of October. And then you have TJ Hawkinson here. There's competition. And you would expect that TJ Hawkinson, they're going to want to get Jamison Williams involved. Jared Goff had a great connection at the end of the year last year with Amon Ross St. Brown. Expect that to continue. And they're going to be utilizing their running backs a, 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 a pretty fair, a pretty good amount so with Hawkinson it's the combination of I just don't trust him as the alpha in this offense anymore and I don't trust him to stay healthy so in that event am I going to go and spend a significant pick on TJ Hawkinson the answer really is is no I'm not going to be going out and doing that and TJ Hawkinson right now in drafts, if I can find him. Okay, all right. So I, I want to alter my opinion. TJ Hawkinson is going at the 10-9 right now. At that price, I'm interested. At that price, I like it a lot. But that is not where I have him going in my ranks. So the public is even lower on Hawkinson than I am which is wild because I thought I was pretty low on Hawkinson. I have Hawkinson in my tight end ranks. I have Hawkinson as my tight end nine. And then overall, let's see, let's see where I have in my overalls. I think that paints a better picture in my overalls. If I could find him, I have Hawkinson right now as my 89th overall player. The overalls right now have him at 123rd overall. That's great. So if you could get that in your drafts, by all means, go for it. You have my blessing. I like it. It's when you start putting TJ Hawkinson with Jamal Williams, who's a handcuff. Tyler Boyd is a third receiver. Julio Jones is a third receiver who's probably not going to stay healthy. Sky Moore, who really, in all essence, is a flyer at this point. Isaiah Pacheco, who is definitely a flyer at this point. Isaiah Pacheco in round 10 is silly. Please don't do that. Please, please, please don't do that. That 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 is up that it's obscene. But then TJ Hawkinson on pace for a career year a year ago in the 10th round. Like I I, I understand that people are not are not super high on Hawkinson. Like okay, I, I, I get it. You're taking him in the tenth round. You're having you're taking Dawson Knox and Cole Komet and Pat Fryermuth over Hawkinson. And listen, I mean, you know how much I love Cole Komet. I've, I've been singing his praises all offseason. But I would still rather have T.J. Hawkinson over him. I'm sorry. I, I think the public, I think the public is uh, is definitely missing the boat on on this one for sure. And 
at that price, I'm willing to go and, and do it for TJ Hawkinson. And by the way, same thing with Tyler Lockett. Uh, I think at the 10-3, at the uh, that is silly. I, I think that at the 10-3, that's worth it taking the plunge on Tyler Lockett. When DK Metcalf right now is going at the 5-5. Five, five. There's a five-round difference between Metcalf and Lockett? Why? And listen, I'm not I'm not the biggest Lockett guy in the world, but there's a five-round difference between the two? No, no, that's silly. That is silly. Uh, the honorable mentions that I have here before we wrap things up on a shorter episode, but I just feel, you know, something for everyone to go off of, something, something for you to listen to before you're going into your drafts this weekend, and then we'll be back next week with the live draft on Monday, and then we'll be doing week uh, week two stuff uh, starting on Tuesday. So the honorable mentions that I have down, Dawson Knox, guy I just talked about. Dawson Knox becomes a little bit more appealing now with the news that O.J. Howard is out in Buffalo, that he was released and is subsequently going to sign with the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I find Dawson Knox a little bit more appealing, but even then, last year Dawson Knox was super, and I mean super, touchdown dependent. So if you want to go off of that, and we're, we were talking about Hunter Henry as being one of the most touchdown dependent tight ends in fantasy. Dawson Knox was not too far behind it. He had nine touchdowns a year ago on 49 receptions. If we're looking at his overall, his overall profile, his super low target rate per route run at 14% is awful. And you need to factor in, do they bring in anybody else at the tight end position or do they stick with Dawson Knox? As of right now, they haven't brought anybody else in. It is just Dawson Knox. But factor in Stefan Diggs, factor in Gabe Davis. This is, again, if you're a believer in Gabe Davis, you can't necessarily be a believer in Dawson Knox. If you're a believer in James Cook, you can't be a believer in Dawson Knox or, or Gabe Davis. There's so many mouths to feed in this offense where if you believe in the, in the passing potential of this offense, as you should, there's only so much that's going to be able to, to be able to go around. I don't know if you can love everybody everybody in this offense with Josh Allen. I have him projected for over 600 passing attempts. That's a lot. That's a significant amount. But do we think that every single last person in this offense is going to get theirs? No. Not every given week. Not every given week. Like Dawson Knox, to me, is a touchdown or bust tight end. That's what he is. That's what he is. I don't see him getting more than 50 than 50 receptions. Sure, there are going to be weeks where maybe he could be a fine spot start in situations, but am I drafting him anywhere near the point of a Pat Fryermuth, TJ Hawkinson, Cole Komet, uh, Zach Ertz? No, 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 no. He is nowhere near that for me. And I will be more, more than happy to let somebody else deal with that. Uh, Amari Cooper in Cleveland for the simple reason of I just don't want anything to do with the Cleveland passing game. So as long as Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback for this team, uh, Amari Cooper is dead to me for this year, unfortunately, because I do love Amari Cooper. I, I think I, I like him way more than others do. Um, but for this for this season, I'm just very, very, very out on that. Um, I, can't, I can't be buying into an offense right now that's being run by Jacoby Brissett. I can, however, buy into Nick Chubb. So, that would be something that I think everybody goes and tries to tries to get is maybe a share of Nick Chubb somewhere. Elijah Mitchell is just very boring. It's just very, very, very boring. The floor the floor is going to be fine, but what's the ceiling really with Elijah Mitchell? Maybe a thousand yards and six, seven touchdowns. Then factor in that Kyle Shanahan is going to want to use multiple running backs. Trey Sermon is no longer there. Hallelujah. Kyle Shanahan figured out that Trey Sermon was alive on the day that he had to cut him. So, Trey Sermon's gone. Tyrion Davis-Price is there. I expect him to get a little bit of a run. Jeff Wilson is still there. There are a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. And then start factoring in, Debo could take in, take a little bit of a cut into, into that rushing uh, upside that Mitchell presents. And then you have to look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a rushing quarterback. He wants to run the ball. I think we're going to see a lot of Trey Lance at, at the goal line. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, the, the bootlegs, a lot of option plays, and that's going to hurt Elijah Mitchell with his overall touchdown upside. I don't love it, 
And for a guy that we're talking about with Elijah Mitchell that is going right now in round four in the same neighborhood as Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, A.J. Dillon, eh, like, it's boring. It's boring is really what it is. And then Ryan Tannehill. For the simple reason of I think Tennessee is going to stink. I think, I think Tennessee is going to stink. I think their defense is not very good. Uh, there's not really a game changer for me um, at the pass catching position. Obviously, they have Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry is lucky if he catches 30 passes, if we're being really honest with ourselves. So Ryan Tannehill, I'm just completely, completely out on. Um, only acceptable in, in two quarterback drafts. And I don't even think he's going to be at a point where we're talking about him as a as a potential streaming option, if I'm being honest. Well, that is going to be it for this edition of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Monday night, we will be doing our live draft. That'll be in your inboxes Tuesday morning and then Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not sure what day we're recording it yet, but Tuesday or Wednesday, we will be doing the week one preview. And then, of course, Saturday morning, be in your inboxes, the week one mailbag. Of course, send in your questions for week one. If you've completed your drafts and you're having lineup issues, send us your questions. We'll be more than happy to answer them. We'll be going going through all of them or as many as we can get to within the allotted hour or so time on the pod. So that is going to be it once again for the Baseball Podcast Fantasy Show. I am Ed Burtzall. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.